is it okay to question God or not? Today's scriptures offer us different answers. Jesus, the human face of God in John's gospel, is not threatened by questions. He seems to enjoy this exchange with the woman at the well. Questions are welcome. At the same time, though, in Psalm 95, we have a depiction of a God who detests an entire generation for complaining of thirst in the desert. One wonders how the one who owns the sea could have such a fragile ego. Are we allowed to call this a temper tantrum? Before we decide that one portrayal of the divine is right and the other wrong, let's look at all of it more closely. There are various tellings of this story of thirsty people throughout the Bible, but the outcome is ultimately the same. By the time Moses strikes a rock for the second time to get water, God tells Moses and all in his generation that they will not enter the promised land after all. Whatever happened that day, the biblical writers cannot let it go. This event shows up numerous times in the Psalms. The author of Hebrews spends two whole chapters on it. Sometimes Moses is blamed for hitting the rock too many times. Other times the people are blamed for complaining and provoking him to impatience. In today's story from Exodus, though, the people are afraid to name the one they really blame. Moses knows they're testing the Lord, but they won't admit that. They don't want to own their real fear that God cannot be trusted to provide for them now. True, they've only been in the wilderness for a month or so at this point. In fact, they've had their first water shortage already, and they found water in the desert. But thirst doesn't lend itself to long attention spans. When we're thirsty, be it for water or for security maybe, for attention, or for love, it's all we can think of. We cannot remember how God provided for us in the past. Our vision narrows to what's in front of us right now. Fear clouds our judgment, and we lash out at the most convenient target. Some call this behavior human. Our psalm uses harsher language. The first part of Psalm 95 has been used in worship by Jews and Christians for thousands of years. We pray it nearly every day in morning prayer. Scholars think that the last part amounts to a priestly wagging of the finger, a warning not to end up like those ingrates of ages past. Fair enough, but it still sounds a little petty on God's part. Most of the time, our prayer book lets us skip the final verses. But not in Lent. Nope. In Lent, we are supposed to read the whole thing 
every Friday, as well as today. Why? Well, because what is true about God cannot be defined by what we see when we're thirsty. In the face of God's quiet, daily provision of life and breath, we too turn away. We harden our hearts. We forget all the time that all things come of thee, O Lord, and of thine own have we given thee. We act like God is on our time clock and that we can somehow dock God's pay for an unsatisfactory job performance. As I've said before, scripture doesn't just mirror God to us. It mirrors us to ourselves. And if we cannot face the harsher truths of our own ingratitude toward God during Lent, how can we ever live differently? As we turn to today's gospel, let's note a couple of things. First, Jesus is thirsty, and he's not afraid to ask for a drink. There is no shame in being thirsty. Second, both Jesus and this Samaritan woman know the scriptures that we've just discussed. Exodus is a shared inheritance, as are many of the Psalms, and because of that, they know the futility of the blame game and its utter inability to give us what we long for. When Jesus brings up her past, whatever we might think of her five husbands, it does not evoke shame in her. He sees all that she is and all that she's done, and that gives her confidence to keep the questions coming. It helps her to see him more clearly too. Fear does not need to cloud her judgment anymore. Face to face with the honesty and the grace of God, she is equal to anything. Her thirst has been met. As you may know, Bishop Marianne has invited all of us to pick a gospel and read it in its entirety this Lent so that we can see the whole arc of Jesus's life through at least one lens. If you decide to take up this challenge, I would love to know which one you pick. After today, yes, you have a good start with John. One piece of advice, though, when reading scripture. Beware of making snap judgments of right and wrong depictions of God. The Bible speaks in many voices, and when one portrayal seems insufficient, instead of erasing it, the biblical writers will just add another. This can be maddening. But it's also true to how we experience God outside of the Bible, isn't it? I mean, we all see in glimpses, and no one picture is ever complete. Given that, what might John's gospel offer us that the others don't? As we'll see over the next few Sundays, John's Jesus is not just a celebrity healer and teacher trying to avoid the crowds, as he sometimes appears in the other gospels. 
This Jesus sits down. He has real conversations with individuals across all walks of life. Pharisees, like Nicodemus. Socially powerless folk, like our woman at the well, or a man born blind. Longtime friends, like Mary and Martha. Even Pilate, the man who condemns him to death, is worthy of his undivided attention. Yes, there is a repetition of language in John that can bring out the editor in all of us. And whatever is said about the Jews can never be taken at face value, especially considering that Jesus and his first disciples were all Jews. But this Jesus will never dismiss an authentic question or a legitimate need. He is not afraid to go deep, and he never underestimates our intelligence, even when the disciples give him every reason to do so. In the silence that follows, I invite you to consider your own questions for God, what you might be thirsting for today. What have you been afraid to ask for? And how might that fear cloud your judgment? What need, if spoken aloud, might actually free you to see more clearly or act more courageously? In the name of the one whose love casts out that fear. Amen.